This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, this is the TD Dubs, creator of J165, a comic book from SourcePoint Press, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. God bless America. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode nine of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. My name is Matt Baum. You can follow me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, where I've been wondering just how long Warpath has been able to fly ever since Weapon X issue number two came out and reminded me that Warren Ellis did that, apparently. Yeah, this is what we're learning today. <laughs> okay. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. Well, I look, I, I'm the one that discovered Warpath Can Fly, and it has really flummoxed me. <laughs> I had to have the listeners explain it to me. All right. I'm hoping somebody calls in later and talks about this. You can follow this show, of course, at Two Headed Nerd, where we do all of our comic book uh, queries and uh, whatnot. Quibbles, quibbles, queries, queries, and quibbles. Uh, Quacks, yeah. Quacks. <laughs> we got some big changes in the show this week, and I think you're gonna dig it. As usual, Joe and I will storm the beaches of this week's new comic shelf, cutting a swath through twelve of Wednesday's offerings. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where I'm using psychedelic drugs and strobe lights to explain the new Twin Peaks relaunch to a poor, confused Joe Patrick. And then we're going to open up the phone lines to you nerds as part of our new weekly cover-to-cover segment. But but before we throw this show to the mercy of the wolves on the internet, we have just got to talk about this week's nerd news. Theater chain Alamo Draft House never heard of them. Yeah, announced yesterday that it will hold a women-only screening of Wonder Woman in Austin, Texas, to celebrate the feature-length debut of the first female superhero in Warner Brothers DC Cinematic Universe to get her own movie. This news comes courtesy of Polygon.com, a delightful website that I quite enjoy. Since the Draft House made the announcement, the theater's Facebook page has been flooded with comments from men about how unfair it is to the male fans who want to see the movie. Who who would have thought something like that would happen? Right. Others have asked whether... Thank you. Thank you, Casey. (laughs) Instant updates from Casey Baum. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Informing us the Alamo Draft House is doing this everywhere. Due to the popularity of the Austin screening, they have added... uh, Showings to all of the locations, which I was going to get to, okay. but thank you. <laughs> Others have asked whether the Draft House plans to hold male-exclusive screenings of superhero movies coming out this year, like Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Homecoming. And as the comments rolled in, Alamo's responses grew increasingly salty, which was really fun to watch. <laughs> now, Matt, what will all of these precious male snowflakes do when they can't get into that one specific screening set aside for women to celebrate something that's so meaningful to I'm, them. I'm actually of two minds of this, and I was talking to BS3 about it briefly on Twitter last night. There's like this libertarian knee-jerk in me that goes, I don't like exclusive screenings for anyone. Libertarian? <laughs> what does that have to do with being libertarian? No, I'm just saying it's that whole, you know, like no rules for any of this shit. Uh, let's all just have our oh own individual God. rights, you know? Fine. What I'm saying is like, 
I think they kind of invited some trouble <laughs> like, uh, to an extent. No. You've got to know you're going to get hit with this. But I like the way that they dealt with it. I like the way that they owned it. And they didn't go, why is this happening? I mean, whenever you do something like this, yeah, you're going to get the bros and the macho trolls crawling out of the woodwork, swinging their balls around. I mean, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it is ridiculous, though, that anyone is pissed off about it. You know? Right. Now, like, at, at the same time. You can go to the same movie at the same time, probably at the exact same theater, yeah. just in a different room. At the same time, there is a, like an anarchist voice in you. It's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go and see what happens. <laughs> oh my God. You're part of the problem. <laughs> you know, but it's not coming from like macho, you know, bro place where most of this always goes. This immediately invites those guys who can come yeah. out and be like, ain't no woman tell me what I can't get <laughs> Fuck you, caveman. You know, whatever. Uh, it, it, like, honestly, you know, if it, at the core of it, uh, Thor, Ragnarok, and Spider-Man Homecoming are probably predominantly male screenings only. <laughs> right? so, yeah. So fuck off. Yeah. You want a, you want a, you want a male exclusive, like fun time. Welcome to your whole life. Right. Assholes. As Casey reported, the draft house announced it was bringing the female only wonder woman screenings to other cities because of the high demand. If you're interested in checking this out, there's more information can be found at the draft house's website. Wonder woman hits theaters next Week. I know. I'm not going to be able to see it with you on Thursday. June 2nd. Why? What are you doing? I got plans. What kind of plans do you have? I got plans with friends. What friends? You don't have any friends. I'm your only friend. No, I got lots of friends. This Sorry. Is bullshit. More news about Sony's Spider-Man Cinematic Universe is coming to light with Gina Prince Bythewood. Sure. Right? Okay. Writer director of Love and Basketball announces the director of Silver and Black, which centers on... That's because right. you demanded it. Silver Sable and the Black Cat. Chris Yost, who is a well-known writer in the comics industry and who worked on the upcoming Thor Ragnarok for Marvel Studios, is writing the most recent draft. Lisa Joy, co-creator of HBO's Westworld. Cool. Worked on the script. I'm stunned that the people involved in this movie. I know. Silver Sable is created by Tom DeFalco and Ron Franz in 1985. She's a mercenary who runs a company that hunts war criminals. The character has been both antagonistic and an ally to Spider-Man. Black Cat, of course, the Marvel Catwoman, an acrobatic cat burglar whose real name is Felicia Hardy, has a long and tangled romantic history with Spidey in the comics. The character was cut from scripts from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy and a Felicia Hardy played by Felicity Jones. Wasn't she the one that was lying about her age? For a while there? I don't know. Wasn't that Felicity Jones? What? She was like on whatever WB show and... uh no, Felicity Jones was in Star Wars Rogue. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. Played by a very young Felicity Jones. Briefly appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 2, though no Black Cat connection was ever made explicit. This is the latest Spidey spinoff project to move forward along with Tom Hardy's Venom. But oddly, while Spider-Man Homecoming is firmly in Marvel's cinematic universe, Sony offshoots will stand alone. How does this work? It's here's how it works. They don't want to pay Marvel the money for it. And they're homing. They're hoping. But they're talking about like not even having Spider-Man involved. Yeah. Like. Exactly, because they've shared that property. You know, they did something money-wise to share that property yeah. with Marvel Studios. Now they want all this to their own because they think they make one movie. Bam, we cash in, we're good. But I think the deal <laughs> is structured in such a way that, like Sony's profits, Sony profits from the the Sony Spider-Man movies, and Marvel profits from his appearances in their own. I'm sure, but I guarantee there's something behind there where Marvel says that's it. We're not sharing anything else with you, and you don't get to use it in. You don't get to use him outside of these deals or something. There, I promise you. There's it's no in there. way. Why not? They own the rights. Why not connect this then? Why would they possibly not connect it if it's not a business decision? Because they don't want to have to 
This is a business I decision. Am, no, no, I get it. But I imagine like the legal entanglements involved in making that Sony it's Marvel deal. It's gotta be deal. a nightmare. Right, and so it, maybe it's the path of least resistance for one thing. Maybe, yeah, they don't want to have to jump through the hoops of uh, licensing Tony Stark or I, whoever to show up in, in I see, Silver I guarantee Sable. that's all woven in there, so they just can't even touch it. So, I mean, it does just, this make you excited at all? Do you even care? I just, I can't really wrap my head around the idea behind, like, the motivation behind making Spider-Man spinoff movies that don't have anything to do with Spider-Man. Right. It's like making a Red Hood movie that never mentions Batman. Right. They're like, well, okay, well, that's pretty vital. <laughs> Batman's like, pretty vital to the Red Hood's origin, you know? <laughs> so, Spider-Man, uh, Silver Sable and the Black Cat, okay, I can, I can get to there. But how do you make a Venom movie that has nothing to do with yeah, Spider-Man? That's just, it's insane. It's Venom. I, I got to wonder if maybe Venom is the exception because it's Spidey's nemesis or something. I don't know, man. Or is the idea, do they really think we're dumb enough that they can make these characters pop up for one second in Spidey Homecoming in a, like a post clip, you know, after the credits and we're going to go, screw it, I don't need Spider-Man in those movies. Yay! You know, I... The only thing that's got me even a little bit interested in this... Uh, I love Silver Sable. I think she's a great character. Sure, I do too. But uh, I love her in the Spidey Marvel universe. Sure, but I just like the idea, like, she comes from this country that was decimated by the Nazis right. in World War II, and now her father started this. Oh, okay, gotcha. The, uh, the I don't remember the name of the company. It's not, the Wild Pack's the name of the group, but. Um, Oscar Mayer. Yeah, Oscar Mayer. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And yeah, the the whole deal is like, all right, the Nazis fucked us up, and now we're going to fuck them up. Right. And I love it. I think it's great. She's a great character. But uh, the only thing that's got me even sort of interested in a movie about it is the, the names involved. Chris Yost is great. This The co-creator of Westworld. Is I mean, that's hit. really great, but are they completely handcuffed without the Marvel U? I feel like they are. I don't think I care. I think that you can tell a story with two characters that are very, very similar to the characters we know. Sure. And not, and really dance around Marvel continuity. I think you can do that with those two characters. With Venom. Venom, no way. I don't, I don't know. No way. I don't get it. And I don't care. I don't care at all. Uh, Prince Blythewood is also the director of the uh, upcoming Cloak and Dagger uh, show on Freeform, at least the pilot episode. Yeah, she looks very dramatic. So she's all, I mean, it's, it's a teen drama, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I know, I know. So she's all over the place. That's how these kids are today. Uh, I just... You remember when when they were still churning out the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies sure. and it tanked so bad? The second one was so bad. Yeah. But right at that time, they said, oh, we're doing a Sinister Six spinoff yeah. and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Yeah. And they even teased it in the movie. Yeah. This is kind of how I feel now. It's just like, yeah, you've got all these cool... Spider-Man's cool. There's a lot of great ideas that come with that character. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole world that revolves around And Spidey. the first decision you make is to remove the side characters from the mythos that made them great. Yeah. I just... This I don't is, get it. I think this is part of the curse of business of dealing with Marvel Studios and trying to own it yourself. If it's good, it's good. We yeah. will see. I don't know. I don't trust it. In comic news, Marvel has spent all week teasing a comeback for The Runaways in a series of images drawn by artist Chris Anka. Uh, I wanted to have more to this story, but they did not release them uh, in an evenly timed way, and so nothing was announced regarding a creative team or even a vague release date. Okay. Normally when they do this, they're like one a day from yeah. Monday through Friday, yeah. and then Friday you find out what it is. 
Nothing happened. Remember they used to do that like stupid, just one word? Run. And then two days later, away. Yeah, right. And then two days later, S. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four teasers were released, and one of, them, one of them was for the damn dinosaur, which so that didn't mean anything at all. Okay. Uh, but there's a TV show coming, so obviously we know this is about a relaunch of the right. comic book to coincide with that. My question is this. Do people still care about The Runaways? I don't know. I don't. Honestly, I don't. I like it. It had... I think The Runaways was great because Brian K. Vaughn, Brian I K. Period Vaughn was writing loved it. The Runaways. And the guy's a great writer. And the second he left the book, my yeah. interest level plummeted. Well, it also seemed to sort of lose direction. He tied up his story very well, and they could have just left it at that, and The Runaways could have gone off to be members of other teams and stuff, just introduced and into Marvel they, U. And they kind of did, like... Um, sort of, later on. Nico and Chase were in Avengers Arena. Yeah, which was a, which made sense. I really liked those books. I liked that they, like, sort of fell off, you know, the map and ended up in this horrible place with Arcade and stuff. I'm okay with that, but, like, what are they still running away from? They tied up the bow Right, like, parents, the parents are gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and at this point, like... They would have had, they have to at least age them a little. So, unless they're going to just reset, teens. unless they're going to completely reset things and be like, oh, their parents are all Hydra agents, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Great. Uh, I, Joss Whedon took over the book from Brian K. Vaughn, and I still did not care. Yeah. Joss Whedon. I know. Who's great? But yeah, I don't know if anybody cares about this. I think they're going to have to reset it. I don't know. I, I loved those characters and I loved that story in the moment, but I, I think that the runaways. Kind of like the century, which we talked about last week. Right. It was a story that had an ending. Yeah, a very nice terminus. That where they could have just been like, okay, that story is done. Now these characters can go and, and do then all of a sudden you've got like six stuff. fun new characters in the Marvel yeah. universe. And you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to new mutants the runaways. We're like, nope, they never grow up and they never become part of the team. They're always in the background doing yeah. stuff, you know. <laughs> I don't know. We will see. I it'll depend on the creators involved. I, I want it to be good. Sure. But of course. We'll see. A lot of stuff hamstrung by rules and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Right. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything we missed, like the revelation that the new mutants director sees the film as a horror movie. Oh, good. Without supervillains or costumes. Perfect. Great. Love it. Let's get that demon bear back in there. <laughs> <laughs> Head over to the two-headed nerd forums big news section. That's where we hash it all out. Or. Don't, Call us. Don't head over. Run away to the THN <laughs> See what I did? Synergizing. Or call us for THN cover to cover yeah. every week. Next week, let's talk about the runaways. Let's do it. We're Is gonna... it stupid? Is the New Mutants movie going to be awful? We can talk about it this week. Screw it. We'll, well throw it out there and I tweet. Mean, they're not hearing it. Well, no, now, but I'm you? saying they know what's in the news. Every Sunday, my favorite runaway, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week. He had to run away. He came from a bad place, folks. In everyone's favorite digital nerd sanctuary, the THN Forums, Joey Patrick, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's question comes from the one and only D. Murray, who asks, what is your favorite fictional future timeline, whether it's from a comic, a TV show, novels, movies, whatever? Okay. Something like the dystopian world of the Hunger Games... The thought crime paranoia of Minority Report or the legendary X-Men Days of Future Past. Future timelines. Future timelines. I dig it. We actually did this question before, but it was way, way, way back when the answer of the week was all done on Facebook, no recording. Oh. So okay. we got we got a lot of new peeps now. It's Let's time for a good refresher. Yeah. yeah. You can call the Ziggurat Hotline 402-819-4894 and leave us a message there, or you can email your MP3 answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. 
You've got two minutes to get it done. We'll cut you off. We have to. We get yep. a lot of participation. Get share the air. If you want to impress your peers with your nerditude, you can call us live next week at the aforementioned Ziggurat Hotline or just click the call now button on our Facebook page. It's too damn easy. If you need more than two minutes, like we said, head over to the THN web forums and join our horde of zombie listeners in the discussion. The forums are ground zero for this show where all the really nerdy stuff happens. Speaking of which, what's going on in our forums right now? Let's take a peek. Let's take a peek. Our buddy Brian Domingos is on here talking about lettering and art, a one or two take process. I saw that. I like it when they get to the nuts and bolts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Black Scorpion started that thread. Brian Domingos, the most Oh, uh, I'm sorry. He's the most recent one to post on it. All right. I started a little uh, lay it on his question about creators and their politics. It's starting a firestorm. I love it. I is it starting a firestorm? Well, not really. Everybody's been pretty reasonable. I was kind of hoping <laughs> to whip them up a little bit. True. <laughs> Get him lathered. <laughs> oh, man. Black Scorpion has another question, a belated May the 4th be with you question about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh. I'm not going to spoil it. You got to go over there. No, and read no, no, no. It. Go check it out. And as always, we post our nerd bets up there so you can keep track of everything we were right and wrong about calling our shots on this show. It's a good time. Oh, also, now that we're weekly on the cover to cover, we need your suggestions for questions of the week. That's right. Keep Ideas. them coming, folks. There's a thread for that. Keep them coming. In honor of our brave soldiers that died face down in the mud and the blood, Matt and I will be loading our weapons and getting ready to storm the new Comic Day beach and plant a tattered American flag on the corpses of 12 of Wednesday's comic offerings as part of the Memorial Day edition of the all-new, rebirthed, Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed, go! The Archies, one shot from Archie. 48 pages for $4.99. Ooh. Extra info, I like it. King of Archie Comics, Alex Segura, joins co-writer Matthew <laughs> Rosenberg and artist Joe Isma. He's the Grand Archie Poobah. Yeah, right. The Grand Dragon of Archie Comics. <laughs> Whoa! To retell the origin of Riverdale's second most famous band in the new Archie style. First most famous is, of course, Josie and Pussy Guys. Of course. This issue is full of fun moments and classic, innocent Archie plot twists. But Archie is constantly breaking the fourth wall to talk to the reader. Is that a thing that happens in the current Archie series? I don't think so. I think Jughead does it in Jughead, though. Oh, all right. Yeah. It got a little confusing when Jughead actually responded to Archie's narration in one scene. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> as for World's Well. <laughs> as for the art, I'm just going to come out and say this. I am not a fan of Joe Eisman's Okay, you're wrong. He's really good. I like Joe Eisman. Uh, I just never warmed to it. He's perfectly fine at what he does, but it's just not my cup of tea. Kind of a Luna Brothers thing. Plus, he's got. There are so many pages and panels that seemed rushed or unfinished. No backgrounds. It was it just seemed empty. The story is sure to appeal to classic Archie fans, but it's too innocent to appeal to recent converts looking for something like the CW's Riverdale. I'm giving the Archies a skim. Yeah, I didn't finish it. <laughs> but you really loved it. No, no, I just I thought it. I thought the art was fine. Samaritan Veritas, number one from Image slash Top Cow. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Think Tank creator Matt Hawkins has been slowly but surely building a little world of his own in the Top Cow U, one where weapons designers, rogue FBI agents, and a hacker saint known only as the Samaritan are working to take down a military-industrial complex that has taken the U.S. by hostage. Samaritan spills directly out of the pages of Eden's Fall and the Tide, both of which were also tied to Think Tank and I really enjoyed. Here, the Samaritan takes a spotlight, and her mission is simple. Kill the president. 
Samaritan Veritas is more smart world building with layers of intrigue from Matt Hawkins. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I love all those books. That he's been doing. So this is a universe within the Top Cow universe. Yes. I don't within think, the Image Comics I don't believe there's a, this has anything to do with any of the which super blade, stuff. Which Blade's not going to show up? No, 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 no. No all darkness right. crawling around. Star Trek, the next generation, Mirror Broken, number one from IDW. God, that is a long title. 32 pages for three ninety nine. Because nerds love their alternate timeline stories, writer Scott Tipton and artist J.K. Woodward take us back to the Mirror Universe and ISS Stargazer Captain Jean-Luc Picard's search for the mythical Enterprise, a galaxy-class vessel that puts every ship in the Empire to shame. It's goatees and sleeveless uniforms as far as the eye can see, Woo! as Scott Tipton's script covers all the bases you'd expect a Mirror Universe story to cover, but it lacks a sense of whimsy and adventure that I wanted. It's not the 60s anymore. You can't get away with telling a straight-faced mirror universe story. Like, seriously, right. sleeveless uniforms and beards. That's the whole deal. Yeah, let's put them in monster trucks. Right. You know, let's mix it up. If you, if you want me to buy into that, then you really just need to lean into it, man. J.K. Woodward's fully painted art is lovely, but again, it feels too heavy. I'm giving Star Trek... TNG Mirror Broken, a skim it because it's competently executed and hardcore Trek fans will love it. I don't know about love it. But it took itself too seriously yeah, for me. I didn't love it. I'm going to skim it as well. Victor Laval's Destroyer, number one from Boom, 32 pages for $3.99. Horror novelist Victor Laval takes on his first comic book story here with a descendant of the Frankenstein lineage who is using some family secrets to reanimate her son after he was killed mistakenly by police. It's poignant, I'll tell you what. This sets her on a collision course with Frankenstein's original monster who has been living on the Arctic ice sheet until global climate change melted his home. Yikes. Again, poignant. There's a lot going on here. But I found the bizarre and unpredictable story came together nicely with it's the last page. It's ripped so many headlines. I just ripped from all the headlines. There's a lot to like about Destroyer. If you're looking for a fresh take on the Frankenstein mythos, I'm giving it a buy it. Deathstroke, number 19 from DC, 32 pages for $2.99. I've been binging on issues of Christopher Priest's Deathstroke to get caught up in time for this storyline, and here we are. This is part three of the Lazarus Contract, the first rebirth crossover between Deathstroke Titans and Teen Titans, re-establishing, sort of, Slade's rocky relationship with the young heroes. Here Slade has managed to siphon off some of Kid Flash's speed in an attempt to travel back in time and save the life of his son Grant, a.k.a. The Ravager. Crossover aside, Priest and semi-regular artist Carlo Pagulian do an excellent job making... I think it's Yeah. <laughs> do an excellent job making this feel like a regular issue of the series while still serving the needs of the event. Priest is one of my favorite writers in comics, and he is at full strength here, having built up to this story throughout the whole series without the reader even realizing it. Pagulian's art is strong, thanks in part to breakdowns by the legendary Larry Hama. What? He's I been, he was dead. <laughs> he's been doing breakdowns for several issues. Okay. To be fair, this is really more a review of the series as a whole, so with the caveat that you should at least check out the first two parts of this crossover, Deathstroke number 19 gets a huge buy it. This series is fantastic. It really is. I love it. Saucer State number one from IDW, 32 pages, $3.99. Paul Cornell takes his saucer country story to the next level by making his heroine, Arcadia, the President of the United States. Cornell's Hugo Award-winning story that began at DC Vertigo continues here with Arcadia using the powers of the presidency to investigate the aliens that abducted her and the influence they may have already have 
on the entire U.S. I thought she was already president in the last one. Well, she became president in the last one. Oh, now right. this is the story. Saucer State is the X-Files meets the West Wing with fantastic art by Ryan Kelly. I if love that guy. you love good UFO conspiracy, you can't go wrong here. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Generation X, number one from Marvel. 32 pages for $3.99. I cheated a little. This one is from last week, but I felt like I needed to touch, oh, on, touch on it. Freaking cheater. The Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach has opened its doors and is ready to foster the next generation of heroes and diplomats. But this time around, the X-Men recognize an unfortunate truth. Not all mutants are created equal. <laughs> Some mutants will just be lucky to survive another day in a world that hates and fears them. That's where Generation X comes in. Jubilee is the new mentor of a team of lovable losers like iBoy and Nature Girl. Writer, and guts spill out, kid. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gross. Writer Christina Strain and artist Amiel Carpina introduce us to the next generation of mutants not fit to be superheroes. This was a fun first issue with nods to the classic Gen X. Chamber shows up. I love the concept and I enjoyed this a lot. Jubilee's poor parenting skills notwithstanding, <laughs> she just lets that kid roam wherever. She's still a vampire? Yes. Ugh. But she's feeling much better. Well, great. Generation <laughs> X number one gets a buy it from me. Rapture number one from Valiant, 32 pages, $3.99. Welcome to another edition of Matt's obligatory and overwhelmingly positive Valiant Comics Reviews. This week, I'm singing the praises of Valiant's newest crossover story that features the new 12-year-old geomancer trying to save both the Earth and Heaven from two armies fighting over the Tower of Babel. With the help of Shadow Man, Ninjak, and Punk Mambo. I forgot about Punk Mambo. <laughs> who is only referred to as... Punk Mambo had nauseum over and over. Get in here, Punk Mambo! Punk Mambo's here to work with you. <laughs> like, Punk, Mom, Punk Mambo's here with the pizza we ordered. Stop order. calling her Punk Mambo. It sucks. Punk Mambo also happens to be the star of the only Valiant title I have ever given a skimmit. It was a one-shot, though, right? <laughs> There's, no, it was a limited series. Yeah. There's plenty to love here, though. It starts with Tama, the new Geomancer. I love her. Matt Kent writes this latest Valiant epic with the amazing Kafu on art. Rapture looks to be more fun in true vivacious Valiant form. Buy it. Venom, number 150 from Marvel. It's 56 pages for $5.99. Wow. I was inspired to give the series another chance after our talk with Crawdad Cody on last week's Cover to Cover, and I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. Trad Moore joins writer Mike Costa for the main story in which the emotional toll of the relationship between Eddie Brock and the Venom symbiote is explored. The middle story by Robbie Thompson and regular series artist Gerardo Sandoval bridges the gap between the Space Knight series and the most recent relaunch, revealing the fate of Flash Thompson. And the final story is a throwback to the character's 90s lethal protector heyday by Venom co-creator David Michelini and artist Ron Lim. There's a lot of closure here. Yeah. And pretty much everything we said we didn't understand about Venom last week yep, is taken like, care of go. right here. Yeah. <laughs> this issue is a mixed bag for me. I really don't care for the style that Sandoval brings to the series, for yeah. example. But overall, uh, this is one of the more fun anniversary issues that I've read lately, and it's all new, no reprints. I'm still not sure I have any more love to give the character, but it wasn't half bad. I'm giving Venom number 150 a strong skin in. Fair enough. I am Groot, number one from Marvel, 32 pages for $3.99. I almost offered to take this off your hands, <laughs> just so that you wouldn't have to read it. Eager to cash in on Guardians of the Galaxy's box office success, Marvel wants four more of your dollars for the solo adventures of Baby Groot. But, since the character only says, I am Groot, the other Guardians are here too, in what's basically a fun GOG story. See at THN Episode 8 for the origin of the GOG acronym. 
Do we need a Groot series? No. Was the story fun? Sure. And the art by Flaviano was wonderful. That guy is super talented. But I would really be surprised if this series makes it past issue eight. It's just more Guardians of the Galaxy with a different name and the same price tag. Whoa, skip it. Day 165 from Sourcepoint Press, $4.99. It had a lot of pages. It did. I, I, <laughs> I didn't keep track. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. It had more than 40 pages. Day 165. Less than a million. Less than a million pages. <laughs> okay. More than 40. Got it. All right. Day 165 comes from the diseased mind of our very own Tony Doug Wright and examines the bizarre occurrences that happened to soldiers on their 165th day of service. Dear Lord! <laughs> it's the Twilight it Sorry. Yeah, it's timing. Timing! It's the Twilight Zone meets our army at war, and it's pretty great. TD Dubs, collaborators Martin Perez, Joe Hamerl, Hammerly, and Frank Allen weave two bizarre tales about comic book war heroes that come to life and a soldier defying certain death. The art is great. The stories are action-packed and full of compelling characters. The production is really slick as well. I'm a little biased because we backed this project on Kickstarter, but I loved it. Day 165 gets a buy it from me, and you can do so directly from the SourcePoint website, which I will link to in the show notes. Cool. I don't think there's anything wrong with liking what you backed on Kickstarter. I hope you like what you backed on right. Kickstarter. Right. And believe you me, if I back Everything something- Everything I back sucks. If I back something on Kickstarter and it's awful, yeah. I will definitely You're tell you. hear about it. The Normals, number one from Aftershock, 32 pages for $3.99. Writer Adam Glass of Supernatural fame weaves a story of what if everything you thought you knew about your life was a lie, like Ed TV. The story is framed around my favorite talking head song. <laughs> no, like the Truman Show. Ed TV, he knew he was on TV. Oh, he did know he was on TV. That's right. <laughs> I was thinking of the Truman Show. I like the Ed TV reference. <laughs> Once in a lifetime. Uh, okay, I got to get back here. The story is framed around my favorite talking head song, Once in a Lifetime, and honestly made me a little paranoid about my own existence for a minute there, but it was really high while I read it. There's a fun twist in the end <laughs> that looks to take the story in a whole different direction than I saw coming, but there are some art problems that left me a little more confused than curious. Normals has some fun ideas, but needs to work on its visual storytelling. I'm giving it a skim it. Ting! That is your ludicrous speed round, and ting! The sound of Batman dropping a spoonful of cheese? I guess. I don't know. Or bananas? That, bananas and cheese? Or a yellow hairball? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> As seen in the pages of this week's Batman The Shadow number two. This onomatopoeia of the week is brought to you by Anosianus via Twitter. You can find this professional ghost whisperer and ordained minister of the cult of Cthulhu at Anno That Guy. Yep, that's his description. That's a pun. <laughs> Anno That Guy. Yeah, get it? If you want to submit some cheesy onomatopoeia, hit us up on Facebook. Twitter, or send us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. It's your job now, nerds. <laughs> if you need more, soon they're gonna soon they're gonna figure out that we're really just pawning off all our work on them. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> if you need more speedy reviews of this week's comics, head over to twoheadednerd.com and check out the Aaron Myers Ludicrous Speed Reviews. They're the cheesiest. Joe, now that we've fought for freedom wherever there was comic book trouble, it's time to retreat. The THN Sanctum Sanctorum. For this Memorial Day, we have decided it's time to binge the first four episodes of David Lynch's Twin Peaks reboot. We're 20 minutes into this first episode. It's really smoky in here. 
The strobe lights are making me dizzy. What is happening on this show? Joey, 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 just sit back and let the Molly Percocet kick in. I'm going to pause this madness until you start feeling a little something, okay? I don't think you're ready. In the meantime, let's talk about our must-read picks for next week. Does that lady have a log? <laughs> it's a telepathic log. <laughs> Next week, my pick is Cable, number one from Marvel Comics, written by James Robinson with art by Carlos Pacheco. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Walk softly and carry a big gun. Cable <laughs> sees the Mighty Mutant return on a brand new mission with all of time in the balance. When Cable picks up the trail of a threat in the time stream, he sets off on a high-speed, history-spanning chase to save reality as we know it. From prehistory to modern day, whether it's a six-gun duel at high noon or a high-tech sword fight in an ancient land, Cable is the only man who can keep history from unraveling. Oh, damn! I don't know, man. I think this sounds good, and I love Cable. I'm not ashamed to say it. I love Cable. I love Cable, too. I just don't want it to get bogged down in this time travel that doesn't mean anything and has no stakes. And you know, I, But I'm fine with that. I would like High adventure cable, like cable. No, I'm okay with it. I'm just saying I want to see him time traveling through the Marvel universe. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, I get it, but like Cable's whole being was so tied up into this mystery that right. drug on for literally a decade or more. Yeah. Like, who are his parents? Who is his, who is he really? What is Cable's whole deal? Right. Can he avert the apocalypse that he came from? It's over now. Yeah. I just want Cable being crazy, time travel, big gun badass. Fair enough. And that's what this sounds like. I just like to see him jumping around the Marvel U history, like affecting it here and there. You know, <sighs> Maybe he'll get to that. I hope so. What's your pick? My pick for next week is Packless, number one. I think I'm saying that right. Written and drawn by Dustin Weaver. It's 56 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Do you accept the life you've been handed, or do you step into the unknown, even as it leads you into the shadows? In this new anthology series from writer-artist Dustin Weaver, pardon me, Justin Weaver! The characters in three mind-bending stories find themselves faced with this question. In Mushroom Bodies! Greg struggles with knowing what's real and fears becoming complacent in a world of human insects. In the first installment of Sagittarius A! War hero Linus Rad is on a mission to the center of the galaxy to learn the dark secrets of his dead father's scientific experiments. In the first chapter of Cycle! Terra and young Jetwing pilot, pardon me, Terra, a young Jetwing pilot, goes AWOL. AWOL! In the war against the Nuriel. That's an acronym. You don't have to do it for that. I know. In order to help Amina, a mysterious alien with no memory of where she came from and a desperate need to There's stop a, a terrible lot. disaster. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. It's what's happening. When Amina disappears, it sends Terra an adventure into the shadow zone. Step into the unknown journey into the shadows. There you'll find Packless. So it's Whew. it's an anthology series, but every story is written and drawn by one guy. I guess. I don't know if there's other artists that are working with him and he's drawing and he's writing the other two stories and just drawing the first one. They weren't really clear on that. I'm into it, though. I love Dustin Weaver. I love Dustin Weaver, too. Here's the thing I'm worried about. Dustin Weaver is notoriously slow. And this sounds like a <laughs> big project for a guy that is notoriously slow. Maybe uh, maybe he's been drawing it for 10 years, and that's the reason why S.H.I.E.L.D. never ended. Uh, maybe. I guess we can only hope. It is 56 pages for $3.99. That's Pretty good. Rad. It's a steal. Yeah. The THN Trade of the Week goes to the 
Revenger and the Fog graphic novel from Bergen Street Press, written and illustrated by Chuck Forsman. It's 160 pages for $18.95. Here's your solicit. It's 1979, and Revenger is running with a small group of youth bandits called The Fog. Youth bandits, the worst kind. I know. Street-made Robin Hoods that rob together, fight together, and sleep together. Ooh, la la. Oh, hey. Why not? Like a sexy Yancey Street gang. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask the thing. The Yancey Street gang is already sexy. They're good-looking kids. But when one of the... Oh, you know, I just realized that joke doesn't, made se- doesn't make sense because we're recording it in, out of order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when one of the Fog gets kidnapped by her own psychotic father, the hunt and the battle is on. Don't miss this acclaimed yada, yada, yada. Revenger and the Fog 1 through 4 and the Revenger is Trapped one-shot are collected in this edition. I backed the Revenger on Kickstarter. Uh, Bergen Street Press sent us a copy of this graphic novel. Oh, cool. Which I have on my nightstand. Nice. We can, uh, we can review it sometime. Let's do it. Let's review it. Uh, let's review it. And we'll do a take a look. It's in the book segment for Patreon. There you go. I love it. And, uh, the guy that used to work for no brow press Tucker that hooked us up with so many great things, mm-hmm. uh, is now at Birkin street. Oh, cool. So that's totally awesome. He remembered us. He said, Hey Joe, I think you'd like this book. Boom. Free stuff. Free stuff. All for it. All right. But yeah, Chuck Forsman, he's a maniac. His his Patreon updates are always so nice. He's like like making a movie with his family or something. Yeah. Uh, And his stories are mean. The comics are just (laughs) awful. Awful in a good way. Yeah. Uh, And I flipped through this book. I read a, a bit of it and it is brutal. It is like, yeah, it is like. The Warriors, if they were yeah. just like... Revenger's fun stuff. I backed him uh, uh, Kickstarter way back. Good stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be super fun. Now that you know what we're excited to read next week, why don't you, nerds, tell us what you're pumped for over at the THN forums. Joe, the log lady, telepathically communicates with her log to help Agent Cooper out. And the arm, who is the one-armed man, his arm may or may not be the log that she carries. Wrap your head around that. Okay, what about the tiny guy? Is he the devil or what? He's dead, and he was not the devil. He was an alien. (laughs) It's a whole thing. What the (laughs) hell? Yes. Oh, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? You jolly devil. Now it's time to open the phone lines and see what you nerds want to talk about. Matt, are you ready for some THN? Cover to cover. I hope they're ready and they're going to call. Otherwise, we don't have anything. So we got about <laughs> 35 minutes worth of content. There so. we go, folks. Let's kick off the first THN cover to cover weekly with a voicemail. Sorry, an MP3 from our buddy, Anthony from Brooklyn. He's talking about the question of the week. Why don't you reset the question of the week real quick? What were we asking this week? Good idea. This week's question was sent in by Joe Bankus. AKA casual comics guy Love that dude. on the forums. Joe writes, I've just been rereading J. Michael Straczynski's rising stars and rediscovered the character of Laurel Darkhaven, a telekinetic who can only move relatively small objects. Seems kind of lame. Spoiler alert for a 20 year old comic. She uses those powers as a government assassin, pinching off blood vessels in her target's brains to kill them without leaving a trace. What other seemingly lame power 
do you think is extremely underrated if used correctly? Underrated powers. This is serious nerd talk. Yeah, here. big time. I dig it. Speaking of serious nerds, Anthony from Brooklyn has a very unserious answer for us, I'm sure. <laughs> Sup, fellas? It's Anthony currently presiding in Brooklyn, and the underrated superpower I'm going to talk about is Matter Eater Lad's ability to consume forms of all matter. Wow. Yes. <laughs> right I, off the I bat. know, you know, at first, <laughs> second, and third glance, this is a pretty stupid power, but maybe it's just because I'm rereading a bunch of Legion stuff. It got me thinking about it, and uh, hear me out. So, for the uninitiated, Matter Eater Lad is a member of the Legion of Superheroes. He comes from a planet of people who can consume all forms of matter. Uh, he is from the planet, wait for it, Bismol. Bismol. Anyway, like uh, Pepto in the Bismol. Of the Legion, uh, um, there was a story where the Legion used this machine called the Miracle Hell yeah. Machine. Hell yeah. He fucker stole my answer. It was a machine that if you <laughs> thought something, it could automatically happen. Uh, at the end of the story, it was decided this machine was too dangerous to exist, so they called upon Superboy to destroy it. Now, this is pre-crisis Superboy. He could fly through time, he could move planets, he could do anything, right? So he punches this thing as hard as he can, and he can't put a dent in it. Superboy couldn't destroy the machine. The only one who could? Yep. Matter Eater Lad. There yeah. you go. He, he eats ate it. The miracle machine. Yes, it drove him nuts, but he accomplished it. And he accomplished something that Superboy, arguably the most powerful character in DC Comics, uh, couldn't do. So think about it. If he destroyed something Superboy couldn't, I'm saying he could eat Superman. Like if Superman were taking a nap, he could sneak up and eat him. And not a lot of people can say they could do that. So if he could do that, he could eat Cap's shield, he could eat Thor's hammer, he could eat adamantium you name it and that's pretty potent i was ridiculous but but potent and that's my answer thanks guys okay all right now look <laughs> we gotta talk about this <laughs> all right all right listen <laughs> could matter eater lad eat superman all right let me back up a little bit i've never even wow occasional <laughs> first off let me say anthony Welcome back. Thank you for kicking off our inaugural weekly THN cover to cover. Yes. Uh, with an amazing. For immediately <laughs> stealing my answer right out of the gate. Um, occasional guest host Dave DeMarco has a fun game that he likes to play with another one of our friends, a uh, former legend employee, Chris Riley, where Chris will try to come up with the most ridiculous power set he can think of just to prove that it's useless, quote-unquote, right? Right. And Dave will churn the gears of his monstrous brain. Occasional guest host, Dave. That's how we refer to him. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And come up with a reason why that power is not as useless as you think, or he'll come up with a practical application for it. Oh, ho, ho! Shit! We got our first call! More on this later. We'll get back to you. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Who dis? Hey, it's Bobby calling from uh, Florida. Bobby, how you doing, man? Bobby! <laughs> Good, how are you doing? Good, brother. What do you want to rap about today? Well, first I'll say I love this format, so I had to call in. Kick ass! Uh, We're doing it weekly now, yeah. every week! Uh, I know, it's, it's great. So I figured I'd contribute because I listen too much. I appreciate that. We like that you have nothing yeah. better to do but listen to two adults with no children Thanks talk about comic books. finally <laughs> pulling your weight, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to rap about? Uh, 
Okay, for, I got two things. First, uh, let's talk about Gog. Okay, Gog, Guardians of Galaxy. Yeah, the second one, uh, I think it's okay. Okay. And my main issue is because I like to nitpick is the Sovereign, they hired them in the beginning. Right. To defeat that monster to not eat the batteries. Sure. Because they didn't want to spill Sovereign blood. And then the rest of the movie, they're just flying in remote-controlled things. So why didn't they just use those in the beginning? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> and I haven't thought about that. Uh... If you have an army of video game-like drones... Wouldn't they it be, never spill their blood. Right. Wouldn't the Sovereign have more fun just, like, shooting at that monster themselves? Or... Man, that's a great question. But, that yeah, honestly I, never I, occurred to me. I had not thought of that. That is some nitpicky so, shit, though, Bobby. I'll tell you what. You're welcome. You know, that's what, that's what I do. It's the sort of service and Bobby provides. I'll do one last nitpick since the superpowers or whatever that are underutilized. Underrated. Yeah, is that yeah, what it was? Underrated superpowers. I go with super speed because I don't think it's really ever used properly in comics. Well, sometimes it is, but. Like the Flash's villain, Captain Cold, doesn't he have to pull a trigger Yeah, for his gun? <laughs> no, it's true. The Flash can move at the speed of light. It's just the dumbest. It makes no sense. Okay, I'm with you here. I don't disagree with this at all, that the Flash's powers are completely underrated. He's very powerful. We've seen him do powerful stuff. But if you are that fast, right. there is literally nothing anyone can do to stop you. Like, right. yeah, no, like, they be like, you win every fight. The Flash should be the most powerful yeah. Earth-based superhero in the totally. DC universe. I mean, unless there like, was somebody else just as fast doing the same thing, but that story gets bored quick. So we have to have Captain Carrot and the Weather Wizard around. I said Captain, Captain, Carrot. So, yeah, Captain, that's Captain like, Cold. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's what I nitpick about. Like, uh, I think in the Ultimates, they had Quicksilver like, trying to defeat these agents. And they're like, by the time you hear this message, it's already happened. Right. Oh, that's pretty sick. Yeah, and that's uh, so, and, and that's, that's cool. I mean, so uh, DC has spent many years bending over backwards to come up with reasons why the Flash isn't completely unstoppable. Right? Uh, isn't a completely unstoppable nightmare man. <laughs> uh, and I think part of the Captain Cold thing is that like. His gun is so cold that it actually slows the flash down. Oh, shut up. Right. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. great. Come on. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, or like, that's like he, he can run really fast, but he can't run too fast or else he'll get lost in the speed force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he'll try to throw himself through time or something. But like they don't think about the math involved in the stories they write. Like there's one story uh, from several, several years ago uh, in Joe Kelly's JLA where uh, – a bomb gets detonated in this small country. A right. nuclear bomb goes off in this country. Right. And before the yeah. bomb can spread over the land and disintegrate everything, Wally West literally carries every person from that country two by two. That's pretty goddamn fast. Uh, across. Yeah, you think the friction would <laughs> yeah. just annihilate those things. Right, yeah. I mean. Right. Uh, and. If you stop to crunch well, those no, numbers, but they've explained that he can extend like the no, no, no yeah, he's got people. he's got these auras or these yeah. frictionless auras. He's got all the he's things got, that let, uh, let him carry people. But if you just crunch yeah. the numbers, like how long it would take to move one million people, yeah. two at a time. Yeah. Um, I don't even think the speed of light covers it. Yeah, I, I mean, if it does, it's close, <laughs> right? So, but yeah, it's like, I totally agree. It's a fun idea, but nobody really knows what they're doing. Bobby, we're going to knight you real quick yeah. here. I want you to kneel. We're going to take our sword and we're going to put them on your shoulders. You are the official THN nitpicker. Way to go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you for I'll your call and your nitpicking. 
Call us back. Yeah. Let's pick some nits. All right. Thanks. Oh, all right, brother. Thanks. See you, Bobby. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was yeah. great. Um, the the thing See, I he's love, right. The Flash is completely underrated. Oh sure. Well, that's the thing I I love about DC Comics in particular is that their characters are so overpowered that if you stop to think about them with any sort of critical analysis, it breaks down. Right. Like everyone could whip the shit out of Batman. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like thirty times over. I don't care how much time <laughs> Batman has had to prepare. It does not matter. That scene in Identity Crisis where Deathstroke obliterates the entire Justice League, yeah. including the Flash and Green Lantern. Right. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to think about. It's It makes them sound really badass, but like literally before Destro can even think about how to move his sword, right. Wally would have had him in prison. Yeah, the Flash could pile two million people on top of him. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> right, know, yeah, exactly. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bobby. That was great. That was great. Let's get back to this Mad Reader lab. Uh, all right. So, yeah, uh, as I was saying, oh, Dave, uh, occasional guest host Dave. Right. Likes to play the game. Uh, here's a useless power, and then he'll explain why it's not useless. And right. he, it has been an ongoing joke between him and I where he has claimed the outrageous claim that Matter Eater Lad could eat Superman. I don't see why he can't. Tell me why he can't. Let's, let's back I, up. I couldn't. I before, could not. before we get to Superman, <clears throat> can he eat Wolverine? Well, Wolverine's just made out of flesh. Yep, no, but he's got adamantium bones. He can eat adamantium. He can yeah. eat adamantium. Yeah. Okay, can he eat Thor's hammer? Can he eat Mjolnir? I mean, he doesn't have to pick it up. He could just like lay on Mjolnir the ground. Mjolnir is magic. So. Crawl up to it, lay on the ground, and eat it. I bet he could. I bet he could eat a. Wasn't chunk the of, miracle machine magic? No, it was just like high, super advanced science. Okay. So, you, to your knowledge, you've never seen him eat anything magic. Uh, not to my knowledge. Okay. It uh, doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I just haven't. I don't remember it. So I have never been able to come up with a compelling reason for why Matter Eater Lad cannot eat Superman other than it's like, other than the knee jerk, like, well, he's Superman, right? right? Which is not an argument. However, Mark Wade appeared at Legion at Legend Comics and Coffee uh, uh, a month or so ago. And Dave had the chance to pose this very question to Mark Wade, Silver Age DC historian and former writer of the Legion of Superheroes. Right. Can Matter Eater Lad bite Superman's hand off? Or just or eat what Superman. I, Sit down and eat Superman. And Mark Wade said unequivocally, no. Okay. I don't know if he... Quali- Is that right? I just said, next question. Yeah, I don't know if he <laughs> quantified it or if he... Ex- like, he did not explain why it's not possible, but Mark Wade says no. Okay. I mean, that's good enough for me, I guess, Mark Wade. That's as good as Stanley explaining, like, how Cap makes his shield come back to him by saying, Cap's just that good. Right. I get it. So, I mean, <laughs> your mileage may vary. Maybe that's not good enough for you, Anthony, but your argument is compelling, and at least you provided evidence. Yeah. Mark Wade did not. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think Mark Wade, I bet that one scared him a bit. Like, oh, God, what have I done? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Caller, you are live on THN Cover to Cover. Who this? JD, gotta catch them all. JD, gotta catch them all. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm, uh, more sober than last time. Are hey, you, all right. Are you back from Mexico? Yeah. Okay, nice. You got a tan? How do you feel? Was it good? 
Oh, it was fantastic. Good. It was great. I'm glad you got back in the country. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. It's all right. He's white. Stick me on the other Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. You're the, you're the right color. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking hypothetically in the Trump universe, we don't, you know, neither <laughs> support or condone. <laughs> so, what do you want to rap about, J.D.? Uh, well, uh, last time I emailed in, I... Uh, Confess to you that I'm the one who cares about the Inhumans. Okay, I remember. Yep. And yep. And I've been reading more of the Inhumans. Okay. And just to t- and just to tie it in with the the answer of the week, I think Karnak's power, the ability to see the weakness in all things. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's badass. It's cool <laughs> as hell. It's cool as yeah. hell. And we've seen Karnak do some pretty rad stuff, like drop the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love or, Karnak. Or, or start just dismantling, you know, Iron Man drones. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, so let's wrap about the Inhumans. Let's start with the new uh-huh. Inhumans books. You've got Royals. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. My bad. Oh. I forgot to turn the ringer off. You're still here. You've got Royals. Oh, okay. You've got Black Bolt. You've got Secret mm-hmm. Warriors. And what's the other one? Um, is, just, is there a fourth one? Uh, no, Uncanny but, Inhumans? Or is that just the... No, I think it's just those three. Okay, just those three. What do you think? Break them down. Are you into all of them? Well, you're reading them on the on the Unlimited app, right? You're oh. you're catching yes. up. Okay. Yeah, so I'm behind. So I'm just... I just finished with the Uncanny... Or, yeah, Uncanny Inhumans, where um, we're still in uh, Civil War II. Oh, God. And uh, they, just, they just had the... Uh, the showdown between Stark and New Adeline. So it's like we're speaking to you through the mailbox at the lake house right now. Yep, we're back, <laughs> yeah. we're back to the Marvel Lake House. <laughs> the Marvel Lake House, we'll call it. Uh, now, I, I am reading the, the, the new Inhumans books, and I have read the first couple of all of them, or, right. or what's been released so far. Um, Black Bolt's great, Secret Warriors is great, Royals is meh. Yeah. Uh, and mainly Royals oh. Royals is only man because I don't like the art. Yeah. John Boy Moyer. Oh, who's yeah. off, though. They just announced he's off in like three issues. Okay. Well, so, I mean, so far I'm mostly enjoying what they're doing in the post-AVX, you know, in humans. Right. Now that the drama with the X-Men is over. Yeah. I think they I think they've realized we're getting a little tired of the Inhumans and they're trying to... Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, I mean, return them to the Inhumans of old that we love so much but bring them down a notch perhaps <laughs> back to where they were you uh, know? well and also it's it's multiple creators it's not just yeah. charles soul writing everything yes so there's different voices like black bolt it's completely tonally different than secret warriors is which is different than royals is right um yeah so i think when you get caught up to those that point jeff you'll enjoy those new spinoff books um uh, because i was not liking the inhumans and now i'm enjoying them so. there we go We'll talk to you in six well, see, months and find that's out. That's what I'm worried about, though, is because I'm digging Charles Soule's stuff. I love Uncanny Inhumans. I love the new Inhumans. I don't, uh, I don't think the tone has changed that much from what Charles Soule was doing. I mean, the ideas are there. The spirit is definitely there. Well, Royal, yeah. I, I, Royals, I guess, would be the only book that's currently following the characters that Jeff would currently be reading about. Right. Uh, the other books, mm-hmm. Black Bolt is obviously a solo book. Um, Secret Warriors... Is all in human is yes all in human characters, but it's Quake and Moon Girl and Ms. Marvel. Right, like they aren't characters that were in oh, those okay. in in those books. 
in the in the soul books. Yeah, we're gonna watch you. We're gonna keep you in a tube and we're gonna watch you like in an experiment. Since you're (laughs) you're still living in the Marvel Lake House, we can see how this unfolds and we can be like, oh god, look what happened to him. Oh, gross. (laughs) I thought it was the time traveler's wife, but it is. You're right. It's the Lake House. The Lake House. (laughs) The time traveler's wife was different. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, and also another uh, another thing I want to mention that ties into the to the question is. uh, and I was going to ask you, Joe, uh, which of the new books has reader? Um, so far, none of them. I don't think he's in any of them. Damn. Yeah, I don't think he's so. He's my favorite character. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I can't tell you anything. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, can you, you can tell where he appears, right? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> We're trying to very gently tell you there's a spoiler that might ruin things for you. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, just keep reading, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I really am digging it so far. But uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm th- as far as tales from the Marvel Lake House. Uh, I'm currently slogging through Sam Wilson, Captain America. Okay, mm, it's kind um, of a slog. It is. It is. Um, it's a little heavy-handed, but I'm. Yeah, there's some interesting ideas there. Yeah, um, it started strong. I'll say that. It started very strong and fun, and then it sort of just kept doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, right up to the point where they introduced U.S. Agent. Yeah. I love and, you. Uh, oh, U.S. Agent, I love that guy. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> uh, but it's not the one you're thinking of. Is, is it not the same guy? Yeah. Is it not the, the U.S. Agent from the 80s? No, because remember he had his leg cut off and his arm cut off. He got all messed up. He's oh yeah, right. Yeah, but he was feeling much better. I thought he had all cyborg parts now. Yeah, I think he Yeah, it's, it's it's still it's still John Walker. Yeah. I mean it's not the same. I mean, he's just <laughs> he's just written really different. I mean, he's written gotcha. as pretty much a right-wing yeah. military pastiche. Yeah, well, he kind of has become that guy though. He's sort of like in yeah. his older age in recent Marvel continuity. I mean, he always to me was like he was like the become. guy gardener of the Marvel universe, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, that's um, a really good way of putting it. Yeah. But like I if somebody actually did a story where they came out and said, yeah, Guy Gardner's totally a Republican. Yeah. Of course he's a Republican. He's <laughs> yeah, Guy Gardner. He's like, have jerk. you heard him talk? <laughs> but like to actually yeah. make him this like, you know, right wing blue state patsy right. or, or red state patsy. I'm like, ah, meh. But I mean, of course there would be some characters like that. Whatever. I don't care. Sure. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know what? We live in a rich uh, melange of different it's beliefs true. and, true. and uh, stuff. So whatever. Jeff. Yeah. We'll be watching you closely in your pod as you read these inhuman comics. Stay tuned or keep I, us informed. I say keep us we'll, wow. we'll keep taking like notes. I, I, We're going to watch you. It's going to be gross. I feel like I have my own segment now. Oh, Tales from the Marvel Lake House. I love I it. Lo- that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for your call, Jeff. We'll talk to you again soon, okay, buddy? All right, talk to you later. See ya. I love it. Tales from the Marvel Lake House. That's so great. <laughs> uh <laughs> So Black Scorpion the Three called us while we were talking to our buddy Jeffrey Catchemall. Let's see what he had for us. He left us a message, which you can do, or you can try and call back. It's up to you. Keep fighting or give up and leave a message. <laughs> hey, nerds, it's BS3 with some BS. My BS today is threefold. Number one, answer the question of the week. I think an underutilized power is actually an underutilized ability from Cassie Kane. When she debuted, she had that ability to kind of 
it was almost pre-cog because she was able to read people's languages because she was never exposed to spoken language before. Yeah, right. That kind of got washed away, and it really worked well early on in the Batgirl series, uh, way back when, uh, and, and then got written out when they started having text-based storytelling. Number two, the most overused uh, use of a power where the power's got, gotten out of control is a healing factor. A healing factor should not mean that you regrow a limb. If the limb yeah. gets cut off, then the the... The, the the wound should be healed over it. Why would it grow new fingers and fingernails and stuff like that? That doesn't make sense. I think if, if you tear out Wolverine's lungs, he dies. And thirdly, to all the dudes who decide to crash the women's only uh, showing of uh, Wonder Woman, jerks, man, jerks. Can't have anything nice. That's their fault. All right, talk to you later. Whatever. Do you even lift, bro? Come on. <laughs> Uh, three great points. He's uh, right. A healing factor is not a regeneration factor. Except for when it is. Yeah, well, in certain cases. I like mean, Wolverine, if you want to say Wolverine has regenerative capabilities, then okay, fine. Uh, okay, fine. But I, I, I agree with that statement. But, but they need to separate that. I do you think, have a healing factor. You have a regeneration factor. If I cut your head off, sure, you can tell me the skin heals over the neck, but there's still a body wiggling around look, there. I think that if you breathe. cut Wolverine's head off, You've separated his brain from his body, and he is a dead person. Well, we saw him get hit. We saw, didn't we? We haven't we seen him beheaded before? Didn't he get hit by a train and it cut his head off when he didn't have the adamantium? What? No, Did you see something like that. No way. I need clarification of that. Has Wolverine ever been beheaded? I'm asking Twitter. <laughs> uh, as far as Cassie Kane, yes, I loved that version of Cassie Kane, Batgirl. She was raised by an assassin named David Kane. Uh, completely devoid of spoken and written language. So all she knew was body language. And... Oh, oh shit. Caller, you were live on THN, cover to cover. Who this? It's Chase Magnus. What up, Chase? How we doing? Not too bad, yourself? Uh, you know, we're hanging in there. Doing good, feeling fine. You still married? Yeah, so far so good. That's great. Sometimes it breaks down in the first couple of weeks, you know? I mean, it almost happened to me, so... I'm glad I, you're, I think we're at least staying together for the dog. That's good. There you go. That's all Casey and I are doing. <laughs> what do you want to rap about, brother? <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up a superpower that isn't exactly powerful on the punch you in the face sort of way, but I think doesn't get nearly enough credit, and okay. that's Empath. Okay. Empath? I think Raven is hand, hands down the coolest member of the Teen Titans. Unfortunately, her best power doesn't really lend itself to comics where people punch each other in the face. Yeah. Yeah. And they end up giving her all but, these weird, like... Now she's telekinetic and she yeah. can teleport and all this weird shit. Like, yeah, and people essentially forget that she's an empath and that she can both understand what people are feeling and help impact how people feel. And when you look at 90% of supervillains, like if you exclude the real crazy megalomaniacs like Dr. Doom and Lex Luthor, most supervillains need help. They don't actually like need somebody to stop them and just put them in prison. Yes. And no, that's, that's what an empath can do. That's actually a really good point. <laughs> like the raft has not really been helpful to any supervillain that's gone there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's not a place of rehabilitation. <laughs> no. Uh, now, could she make people feel emotions like the psycho man? Yeah, she, she does influence emotions as well. Oh, uh, kind of like what Mantis does in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Yeah, like we've seen her like make people terrified of stuff before and like. Yeah, like, like but then also maybe years. just giving people like a little dose of compassion. I mean, uh, I know you guys are also talking about the uh, the recent Alamo bit. And honestly, all those assholes, if an empath were to come by and just make them feel the way that a woman does for five seconds in the <laughs> country, yeah. uh, 
they probably get over it and realize that they're just being an asshole. Better yet, I want them to menstruate for 15 minutes, you know? I That's think that more would, of a physical thing. <laughs> I but, think that would really uh, send the message home. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah I... <laughs> Man, that's a great point. Empaths, yeah, they're not a, a really interesting power set that is an odd fit for comic books. Well, you know what she is? She's the bard. She is the bard on the team, just oh, like your, yeah. your Dungeons and Dragons bard. Like you sing the song, everybody gets bl- uh, you know pluses to their attacks and stuff like that. She buffs everybody out. That's her job. Yeah, you know? she helps her friends, and she can potentially help the enemies too. It's like, it's like it's a really cool idea that I don't think most writers understand how to work with. So they're like. I don't know. What if we just gave her darkness powers? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's kind of like when you used to like hide behind buildings and sing songs at the dragons that we were trying to fight when we were playing Dungeons <laughs> okay, and Dragons. Okay, back off. I was a bard. I was squishy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was my job. Matt, Matt Bomb, wave two. Let me, <laughs> let me take the most circuitous route to the dangerous hey. possible. And as I recall, I also tried to talk to the dragons and help them. And that went badly for that yeah, character. I think it got our, he's not around I think anymore. it got our buddy Arrow killed. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did get a couple of our guys killed. I was I was a sweetheart. What did you want? I was playing the character. <laughs> Empathy. I like it. That's a good one. But Thank yeah, you, it, it's not. It's such a weird thing for them to come up with in a visual medium because, like you said, it it has no like visual impact. Right. Uh, but Which yeah. is why now she's telekinetic and telepathic, and you know. Yeah, I think I think one time I th- I saw her make a giant black claw out of dark energy. It's yeah. like, hold on, Raven does not do yeah, this. Yeah, she's like gothy Green Lantern. Yeah, you know? it's kind of stupid. Chase, thank you very much for your call. It's always good to hear from you, brother. Congratulations on not hey. getting divorced. Yeah, we're proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Have a great Saturday, right. guys. Talk See you, buddy. Soon. Yeah, I never thought about that, but she's the bard on the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She buffs everyone out, and he's right. I would like to see a story. Where, first of all, let's let Raven grow up a little bit, please. She seems to be the only member of the team that's eternally 14. They de-aged her big time. Yeah. Because she was on. she was dead for a long time. Well, this was pre-New 52. Right. She's she, feeling much She better had now. been dead, and then she was kind of resurrected in the body of this teenage girl. Right. Um, but yeah, originally Raven was m- much closer in age to like Wally and Yeah, Donna she was like Troy. a couple years younger than them, not yeah. like five or six. Right. Regardless, I would like to see a story where, yeah, they capture, like... One, one of the, the supervillains that's not totally batshit crazy, yeah, like... like um, a, a follower of Brother Blood or something, you know? Oh, okay, and, that's a cult member. Yeah, but, like, and she sits down and it's like, you know what, I'm gonna help this person get out of this cult using my empathy powers, like, uh, you know, a psychiatrist. Like a deprogrammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I would love to see something like that. That'd be really cool. Or maybe even turn someone good. And then we have this whole morality question. Did Ooh, she do the right thing? Like Sabretooth. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that would be really cool. Like Great she, call. Oh, she totally axes them. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Axist. <laughs> For those who don't know, Marvel Axis is when they flipped, you know, a bunch of uh, good guys and bad guys. Oh, wait. Hold on. Cullen Bunn is tweeting at us. What's he saying? What's he saying? Wouldn't that be something if Cullen Bunn just called into the show <laughs> spontaneously? Somebody just called. Uh, I'm not sure who this is, but left us a message about Wolverine getting beheaded. Let's play his call. Hey, Joe and Matt, this is Cullen Bunn. Holy um, shit! <laughs> I was just browsing through Twitter, and I saw your question about has Wolverine ever been beheaded? And I just wanted to... It reminded me that in Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, Wolverine was, in fact, beheaded. His head went bouncing right across the floor okay. by Deadpool himself. Okay. Uh, now, I guess the question is, how is that possible with his adamantium bones? And I think the answer is his cartilage isn't adamantium. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to move. 
So right on. Deadpool just sliced right through the cartilage, it's I guess. Through in between so, the vertebrae. Anyway, just wanted to, to share that thought with you and a plug for Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. But uh, <laughs> more than anything, just the thought that, yes, Deadpool has proven that Wolverine can be beheaded. That's oh. all. Thanks, guys. Okay. Wait. Deadpool has proven is, that... Is this Colin Bond calling back? I'm not sure who this is. Let's see. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Who dis? This is Cable Jacobson. Hey! Welcome. This is to... This is two-headed nerd, right? You got us. You got us. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually, I actually found your guys' post on Twitter, and you guys' uh, message has Wolverine ever been beheaded? Yes, that's if what we're talking about. If you actually Google search this, Wolverine did die in one of the Marvel universes on Earth six one six. However, because of his uh, metallic skeleton, because of adamantium, it is nearly impossible to kill him because of that. Also, check out Screwtech's death battle of Wolverine versus one of the guys from Metal Gear Solid. Okay. Where he kills Wolverine by cutting his head off with a vibroblade. Okay. So we just talked to Cullen Bunn, comic creator Cullen Bunn, who's writing X-Men currently. And he said in Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, Deadpool cut Wolverine's head off as well, like by cutting right through the cartilage and not hitting the adamantium. Now, our real yeah, question that's also, was... that's also another way. Right. Yeah. Our real question was, though, you cut Wolverine's head off, does he grow a whole new body? Can he regrow from that, or does it kill him? It sounds like we have three sightings here where he dies. He straight up dies. You cut his head off. Uh, it, I don't think Wolverine's healing factor is like Deadpool's healing factor. Right. Because Deadpool... So I'm probably going to go with Wolverine does die. I think if you separate his brain from his body, he is a dead man. Okay. Like, just like a vampire. There you just go. Just like a vampire. Cut Wolverine's head off, move it across the river, pour, you know, pour holy oil all over him. <laughs> yeah, but then, come, then comes the question, like, if Wolverine's head does get cut off, one, how long does it take for him to actually die? Ooh. And two, if it takes, like, long enough, does he just start? Does his body just start running around and flailing at everything? Yeah, like a chicken. Yeah, totally. Like, is it still in berserker mode? Like, does it not know? You know, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. that's what I. Right, if you up. think if you think a berserker Wolverine is terrifying on its yeah. own, imagine a headless berserker Wolverine. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay, I'm fascinated by this, and I just want to see this as like a little one shot. I don't, I don't care who plays it. I just want to see it happen. I love it. Let's see it unfold in the pages of the it. comics. I yes. totally love it. Thank you so much for your call. Tell me your name again. Cable Jacobson. Cable Jacobson, welcome aboard. Thank you for your call, brother. If you want to hear this call, you can download our podcast. It's going to go up probably tomorrow or Monday. TwoHeadedNerd.com, brother. Thanks a lot for the you call. Guys- you guys got my follow because of this. Awesome. 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 We'll try not to let you down. All righty. <laughs> All right. Have a good easy. day. That was great. Thank you. Yeah. You too. See you, man. Bye-bye. That was awesome. We talked wow. to Cullen Bunn. <laughs> the, the universe has spoken. I know. We have made the right decision <laughs> in this format change. <laughs> we talked to Cullen Bunn, who we routinely slam. <laughs> yeah. Look, sorry. Uh, but love all his other stuff. <laughs> I, I am really enjoying X-Men Blue. Yeah, it is good. I like it too. Uh, so through the cartilage, Wolverine. There you go. That's plausible. Look, if we can take Mark Wade's word for it, yeah. that Matter Eater Lad cannot eat Superman. Right. We must take Cullen Bunn's word for it. Yes. That Wolverine can get his head it's cut a simple off. Simple if then. There we go. All right. And we've established 
doesn't grow a new head or a new body does not grow out of the head. Um, I agree the with... The problem with that with life, you cut Wolverine's head off, one would grow a new head and one would grow a new body. <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree with Mr. Jacobson. I don't think his healing factor is as strong as Deadpool's. Who right. is like re- who is full on regenerative. Right. Like if you burned his body except for an eyeball, you'd probably still have Deadpool grow back from it. Man, we solved a lot of problems here today. Wow. And we're not even done. No. Good Lord. Wow. What were we even talking about? Whew. Cassie Kane. Cassie Kane. Yeah, she was raised in isolation, away from the written word and yeah. the and uh, verbal skills. And so all she knew was how to read body language. And it made her the world's best fighter. Better than Batman, better than Lady Shiva, better than everybody. And it's such an interesting take. And yeah, they really gotten away from it. Yeah, it's too bad. I'm thanking Colin Bone for his call. I already did. Thanks for your call, brother. Bam. Don't call Colin Bone, brother. He is our brother. Oh, we got another caller here. Let's do this. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Who dis? This is Zach Hollowell. Oh, no. Oh, How boy. are you guys? Uh, okay, let's, yeah. just, let's just set this up real quick, all right? A couple okay. weeks ago, Zach came to Joe with a package, a sealed envelope. A sealed envelope. With the instructions not to open it until he called in to talk to us. I will verify this envelope is still sealed. Um, it's Good. a little bit squishy. <laughs> it's a little stinky. But there are some parts yeah, that yeah. are firm, like maybe there's some plastic in there or something. I don't know. Zach, do you want us to open it now or do you want to set it up? Well, I want to set it up because it's a demonstration for my answer. Okay, actually. let's set it up. Okay, so... My answer is, it's, uh, for the question of the week, is it's both, actually. Okay. Um, and thanks for the Orca for the question, because it is possible, I think, for the thing's penis to be both hard and flaccid at the same time. <laughs> and if you'll open the package, I've got something to demonstrate that for you. Okay. We are opening the envelope. It's a severed penis. Joe. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, while you're opening it, I do want to argue that when he was, whenever he was fighting the Nancy Street gang, always hard. Whoa! Yeah, rock hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we all know that the thing goes hard. That's just sort of his thing. Right, right, you know? yeah. It's wrapped in another okay. uh, discreet, unmarked black plastic bag. All right. Oh! <laughs> all right. You want red or blue? Uh, all right. All right. We've got nerds rope. It is soft and chewy, <laughs> but while being flaccid, still... Erect. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and go ahead and put that in your mouth, boys. Just so you get a feel for all it. All right, all right. We're doing it. <laughs> Joe Patrick's this is happening. going for it. I haven't had breakfast yet. I can't do this. Uh, my mo- my mother listens to this show. I get in huge trouble. I eat candy for breakfast all the time. Oh, good lord. Uh I was not aware that a nerd's rope was oh, a shit. thing. It is a, you know what? Oh wow. Okay, I see where you're at here. <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah, it's, right. it's, this is the closest realization to an edible thing penis Hold I have ever encountered. <laughs> if it was really thin and really long. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't think it's going to discourage us from eating it, but yeah, there it is. <laughs> wow. It may enhance it. Just go with it. Oh, there he goes. Give into it a little. You it's in like my it. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh. It's definitely both hard and flaccid. <laughs> okay. See? So there, there you, you go. go. 
And, you know, and I also want to throw out there, I mentioned this on one of Joe's Facebook posts the other day. I've got the little Oculus thing with all the horror apps. We need to get Joe hooked up to that and just scare the pants off that baby <laughs> I love boy. It. I love it. And then we can get people to pay money for Patreon to get to view the video. Yes. This is, it's, we make it a Patreon video exclusive. Zach and Matt scare the exactly. shit out of Joe. <laughs> I'm already so pretty money. traumatized by this nerd rope, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. First, he ate the thing's penis. Now we're going to scare the shit out of him. I did, I did. Shit, why didn't we film that? I know. I took a picture of the nerd rope. Um, I did download the demo this morning before I left. I clicked download. I'm going to play it later when I go home. Okay. So there we for go. For Resident Evil 7. Cool. That was the question. Uh, would the Resident Evil 7 demo ruin me for life being a horror baby such as myself? <laughs> All right. We'll have to film that and see. see. As, much as, as much as you think that scares you, I really think having some VR goggles on would really scare the hell out of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to do this all the way so he can't escape. Hey, I'm gay. Look, right. I'll do anything for Patreon money. Yeah, and we'll tape his hands to the chair, too. It'll be great. Don't make oh, it yeah. weird. Yeah. Shut up, Joe. Don't make it weird. Fine. Handcuffs it is. There we go. <laughs> Zach, <laughs> thank you very much for your call and this disturbing imagery. That was wonderful. Thank you, boys. You have a wonderful show. You too, buddy. Oh, good to right, talk to you. Have a great day. Wow. <laughs> that was the best setup we have ever had for a call here on Cover to Cover. Uh, whew. Um, you know what? I'm glad I didn't open the envelope until now. It really added the, to the, the mystique. next time you the open mystique. the nerd's rope, I want you to think about Ben Grimm <laughs> and his uh yeah. his swimsuit area. There you it's go. It's <laughs> sort of like it's like it's like silly putty. Yeah. It's a solid and a liquid kind yeah. of. Yeah. Or not silly putty, but you know what I mean? Silly putty. That weird uh, gel stuff. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Wow, this is amazing. This is I. Why didn't we do this earlier? This is great. Let's go back to our voicemail. See who we got here. We got D Murray. Is this a Google Voice? It's in no. It's a. It's an MP3. Let me go back to start. It's right after Anthony's. There it is. Let's see what D Murray's got for us. Oh dang! Hey guys, how's it going? D here. Um, I took a break for you guys for a while after the whole uh, talk about Mark Wade and his comic book that he created about race and racism and about the line being drawn that uh, that struck a chord with me because in my eyes there there is no line because a line hasn't been created yet once people are done being oppressed persecuted and hated because whatever their gender identity is, whatever their sexual preference is, whatever they see themselves as, there can be no line until until oppression stops in this world. And the talk that you, mainly that Matt with the color had, kind of struck a chord with me, and I took a break from you guys for a while. So, uh, <clears throat> I've listened to a lot of past episodes, like what I've been hearing so far, it's uh, it's good stuff there. But to answer your question of the week, it's gonna be uh, either cipher. Oh, or it's gonna say cipher. Any any languages you can translate is that, that's the coolest power. So you guys can air this on the show. You can, guys cannot air this on the show. It's your call. Until next time, you guys take it easy. D, we are not scared to air anything on this damn show. Let me tell that's you. right. He just took my answer, cipher. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, hey, D, you know, it's totally cool. Yeah. Um, we understand. Um, you know, I, I think uh, if if I recall from that episode that you referenced, um, we ended that that particular chat by saying, you know, it's okay if we 
um, don't necessarily come to terms with with the things we think or feel. Um, the important thing is is that we listen to each other. Yeah, of course. And we stand by it, and we're glad you're back. Right. I've been missing you. I've I have noticed your absence. I'm glad you're here. And um, next question of the week is from you, so I hope we hear from you again. Totally. Um, your answer is fucking kick ass. Cipher is stole a mine. great underrated power. Totally stole my answer. I love Doug Ramsey. Cipher. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. And I love when he used to get in to Warlock and like oh, wear Doug him, Lock. wear him like a super suit. Hell you know? yeah! <laughs> it was so cool. Um, <laughs> So I, I really like what they did later on. Uh, I don't know. I think it was Abnett and Landing when they were doing New Mutants a few years ago when uh, they were doing stuff like, yeah, Cypher can now like read and, and, and interact with like machine code, right? Like oh, because, that was, he that was because he intuitively like, understands. Well, he also like absorbed uh, warlock when they both died and he came back he had sure. part of him but so like, that enabled him he can to, also yeah. like see he can he can like uh he was like the drummer from planetary sure he could talk but, to machines oh uh, like like cassie uh, like cassandra kane he's also like reading body language because right. body language is of course a type of communication right and so he's doing this weird stuff where he knows what people are thinking almost like mind reading yeah all, right um i love how they it, it went beyond just like he knows russian Without ever learning Russian, right? Yeah. It's, it's way, way, way more complex. Well, not just that. I mean, like, you can speak to aliens. Like yeah, completely yeah. Completely alien languages. Instantly got it. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Such a cool mutant power. Great Good. answer, D. Good answer, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. What do we got next? Jimmy Randall. Howdy, nerds. Attaches my contribution to the show and a little linky link to the best thing I've ever heard. I didn't attach it to the MP3 just in case there were some stupid legal issues. Okay. Uh, oh, he's talking about the theme from the new Spider-Man Homecoming, the music theme. Let's hear it. I don't know if we can do that. Why not? Because we don't have the rights to do so. But this- I will say, it's very, very good. But we're talking about it. I know we're talking about it, but I don't know. I, it, that stuff doesn't fall under fair use. Yeah, of course it does. If Randy Andrews can do it, we can do it. We are I discussing suppose. the piece. Let's right. play it. Let's just play it. Let's, let's play a little bit of it. Let's really see what happens. Maybe we'll get sued. Maybe we won't. Oh, yeah. It's the classic Spider-Man theme. Hear that? All right, cut it off before we get into trouble. (laughs) I want to get to the Is He Tough Listen Bud, He's Got Radioactive Blood part. Uh, It might surprise you to know this, but instrumentally, it's the exact same music. Yeah, that's it. So awesome. So awesome. And I love that they're just owning it. Totally. Screw it. Let's do it. Like, Sam Raimi had a couple nods to it in his movies, but it was kind of cheeseball, you know? I like that here they're taking it seriously. Like, this is your Spider-Man theme. You all recognize it. Here you go. Let's, uh, let's play Jimmy's call here. G'day, nerds. Jimmy Randall sending in my MP3 answer for cover to cover. Uh, this week I'm taking the week off from my talk show. The, the fame was getting to my head. It was getting a bit much, and we the audience was hounding we me noticed. at every single turn. I couldn't even leave my house, so... Um, yeah, what I've done is I've snuck out. I've gone bush to have a bit of a think about this answer. He's and my answer now? to the bush. most underrated the superpower, wild. the one that would kick ass if used correctly, it's Dr. Doolittle. No, fuck, they found me. Go away. Go away. Just go sit in the corner, everyone. I'll be with you soon. All right, so yeah, Dr. Doolittle is my answer. The original one, not the Eddie Murphy one. I mean, main reason being, 
Old mate, he can talk to animals. He can converse fluently with any species on the planet. He doesn't do anything of note with that power. When Think about it. You could become some sort of god emperor to the monkeys and scorpions. <laughs> you could establish an underwater society with whales and dolphins and sharks and shit. Like you could, if you wanted to go the peaceful route, create some sort of UN with a uh, you know different species representatives there that you could translate for the rest of the world. But yeah, he just doesn't do anything with it. So very underrated power. Um, so that's my answer, guys. Uh, on a side note, don't know if you guys have heard the uh, official cinematic score to Spider-Man Homecoming. I caught it on Twitter. I'll see if I can send you all a link because, oh my god, I didn't. I've never really paid attention to soundtracks and cinematic scores, but this is probably the best thing I've ever heard. Um, so yeah, that's my answer. Chucking in a bit at the end, and that's it. Jimmy out. <laughs> Love that sign off. <laughs> He's right, though. The new Spider-Man theme, wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm just enjoying a little bit more of this. Stop eating that. It's creeping me out now. (laughs) What was his answer? I totally missed it. I was was reading some Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. Oh, talking to animals. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We'll stretch it to Aquaman as well. Talking to fish. Sure. But Aquaman can only talk to fish. He can only talk to fish. Yes. But, well, Animal Man can talk to animals. All kinds of animals. Any animal he wants. Yeah. You can talk to all of them. Now, but I don't think Animal Man can, like, expressly control... No, Aqu- Animal Man cannot talk to animals. Yeah. No, he cannot. Yes. Empathetically, he can, like... He can... No, not so he much can like, mimic their abilities. He cannot talk to animals. No. I thought Animal Man could, like, talk to deers and be like, get out of here. It's dangerous. No. Whatever. Really? No. Well, I mean, maybe they have... Maybe they feel some sort of connection to what him. What about monkeys? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> So Dr. Doolittle could talk to animals, but like he couldn't like make them do stuff. He just sort of talked to them. Like he was a vet. Right. What's wrong? And, and you uh, know my what? paws killing me, you know? They so kind of they took that they took that tactic with Aquaman for a while. Right. Where they said, Well, he's not controlling fish. He's just talking to them. He's talking to them and asking them for help. And, and they they're recognize agreeing him. yes or no. Yeah. They also recognize him as like Yeah, he's king. Yeah. King um, of the land. I think they did kind of get away from that. I think he's back to like if he wants to make a fish do something, he can. Yeah. But maybe he doesn't like to. Maybe he wants it. Maybe he's just like, hey, help me out. But totally underrated power, too. Like, we've seen him riding on great whites and stuff and, like, yeah. summoning undersea krakens <laughs> and, like, sinking ships if he wanted to. Like, there's all kinds of scary stuff living in the D.C. ocean. Really scary stuff. And Aquaman can uh, ask him for personal favors. Yeah, it's true. That's some underrated shit. Um, though I do appreciate that Jimmy went with Dr. Doolittle, which makes this probably the first time Dr. Doolittle has ever been mentioned on the show. Oh, yeah. We've never mentioned Dr. Doolittle. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Obviously, the Eddie Murphy one he's talking about, right? No. No. Oh, sorry. My bad. The OG. <laughs> the OG Dr. Doolittle. Okay. We, Doug Zolondek, we had tweeted out, what is the deal with Warpath flying? That was one yeah. thing we were talking about earlier so this we, week. Yeah, we talked about it earlier in the show. Um, as seen in the pages of Weapon X number two, which I was reading just this morning, Warpath can fly. James Proudstar, brother of Thunderbird, can fly. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Since when? And I was floored to find out that it's actually been years, like over a decade. Uh. And Doug hit us with this knowledge from his wiki page. Warpath's power of flight was discovered by his one-time mentor and team leader, Pete Wisdom, 
who analyzed his mutation after the high evolutionary devolved and re-evolved all mutants on Earth. And wisdom forced James to incorporate the ability into his fighting style. The power was ignored for a while. Uh, Why as, would you ignore it? <laughs> uh, as writer Ed Brubaker oh. did not understand how Warpath's speed and strength would allow it. I don't uh, get it either. Citation needed. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> However, Warpath's fighting style in the Messiah Complex storyline showed his flight powers, which I do not remember at all. I don't remember that. I read Messiah Complex. And in X-Force, it shows him flying for long distances. Again, I don't remember that. Just trucking around, basically. <laughs> uh, it has since been suggested by writer Christopher Yost that Warpath felt quote, rather embarrassed by the whole flying thing, end quote. <laughs> I love that. The idea that Warpath discovers he can fly and it's like, fly? like yes. it makes me look like a real asshole, yeah, so I, I don't do like it. to do it. I have to fly backwards, butt first, you know, <laughs> like powdered toast, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, this storyline where this was introduced, this is way back during the Counter X era where... Warren Ellis came back to the X-Books and kind of took over all of the X-Books for a while and reimagined them. And so Wills Portacio did the art. This was before the Mike Allred, Peter Milligan, X-Force slash X-Statics relaunch. Yeah, I am floored. I had no idea. I don't recall this at all. Ever. And I, but here it is. I read, I read that Warren Ellis X stuff back in the day. I read that. I don't remember this. Yeah, but you have a bad memory. It's true. I do have a bad memory. Yeah, it's true. It's not me. It's the drugs. Thank you, Doug, for the clarification. Uh, though the idea was really to get you to call in and have this conversation yeah, with us yeah. on the show. I, I don't need you to send us the wiki page. Still, we, I appreciate it. We are the lazy Googlers that can go to the wiki page to find this stuff. Come on. <laughs> Thanks to everybody that called in for Cover to Cover this week. Like we said, we're going to be doing it weekly. I think we had a ton of fun. And we got to cover all kinds of crazy shit we would never touch on on this show. Yeah. Because you guys are weirdos and perverts. <laughs> and I love it. Uh, yeah. I ate that whole nerd rope, Zach. No regrets. Yeah. And I'm probably going to eat Matt's too. Ew, Jesus. Uh, don't forget, next week's question is... We've announced it already. It is favorite future timelines yeah. from any media. Yeah. Fictional features. Let us know what you think of the new weekly cover to cover. I think we had a bunch of fun with it. I can't wait to hear from you guys. If you were thinking about calling, please call us next week. 11 to 1230 Central Standard Time. Uh, just to, again, go into a little bit more detail about why we made the decision. And for those of you that might be, we did have at least one person uh, when I put up the poll on Twitter and on the forums about uh, the new format, at least one person selected Vile Betrayal. <laughs> uh, I love that. So for those of you that might be a little down on the idea, uh, we're not getting rid of those old segments. We want to do the segments live. We yes. want somebody to call us during Cover to Cover and do the Defenders. We want somebody to call us and ask us for comic pushers recommendations. Yeah. Not going to come up with a rap on the fly. No, but those other segments will appear on, all, on our Patreon. And if you support well, I mean, us if on Patreon. if they call during Cover to Cover, oh, it'll sure. happen in the show. But I'm saying feel free to contact us, and we will do one-on-one -on -one just for you on Patreon and put it up there. We're going to review the Revenger here. As part of Take a Look, it's in a book, and we'll throw that up there soon. It's going to be fun. If all goes well next week, we will also be broadcasting on Facebook Live with yeah. 
audio. We got to test it out this week. Matt bought a new dongle. So you will see some uh, some of us popping up live here and there to make sure everything works. Feel free to play along. Feel free to listen and tell us you like it or it's not working or whatever. We need your input. We're going to make this happen. It's going to be awesome. The moral of the story is if you're thinking about calling us, do it. Excelsior. Oh. That is it for TJ9. If you dig podcasts that constantly switch their damn format to try and appease you people, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and without the help of peeps like our newest donor, Benjamin Holmes, we don't have a show. It's true. I mean, we would have a show, but it wouldn't be as good. Yeah. We want to send a cosmic thanks, crackling with energy, to everyone that's supporting the show on PayPal and Patreon. Without you, the horrors living deep in the earth would surely overtake our automated particle accelerator cannons. Yeah, those things are not cheap to run, man. I'll tell you what, the ziggurat ain't going to protect itself. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to longtime listener Doug Zalondak. Who helped us out with some more path knowledge earlier in the show. Who sent us some rad fan art this week, reimagining Joe and I as badass science fiction action heroes word to you doug you can see the art in the show notes for this very episode it will also be featured on our website and if you have fan art you want to send us send it to us email us at twitternerd at gmail.com until next time true believers remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just use your arm as a tool to help a weird fbi agent without your consent or knowledge trapped in a different dimension okay (laughs) (laughs) this is the two-headed nerd Signing off.